You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, Fem Fam. We've got two guests for you today. Power duo. Um, so we met these awesome ladies doing the We Make Movies competition, which if you guys are brand new listeners and just tuning in, a little bit about them. They are a organization out here in L.A. They also have a New York hub Um and they are a, they're a lot of things. They're a community of filmmakers. They're also a film production company. Basically, they are resources for filmmakers and, you know, people within that, that scope. So writers, directors, whatever it is that you do. Um, but they connect people. They do things like mentoring in these competitions. They can offer help with things like permits and, um, insurance and all that stuff so they really production yeah they do a lot of different things um so their competition was a script writing and pitching competition is how i would describe it i don't remember how it was originally billed to us but that's (laughs) how i would describe it um so basically we have been pitching what will be our first feature film and the the three winners of this competition got twenty five thousand dollars to then complete their project Um, so these gals that we have on our show today were one of the three winners and their names are Lauren Neal and Jill Bennett. I'll, I'll let them explain, you know, what the film is about and, and their journey with it. But we were just really blown away by seeing their pitch and them talking about what is important to them with this process and how they prepared and how they prepared knowing, you know, what We Make Movies has to offer, what their resources were. And mm-hmm. yeah, they we were just really blown away. So we got a hold of them. They sent us their full pitch package and we were like, okay, we're even more blown away. <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited now to have a relationship with these girls because I think they are awesome filmmakers who actually care about sharing their knowledge and helping other people out in the community, which they talk about in this episode. So yeah, we're just really glad that we have a relationship with them now, and we're excited for you guys to hear about their process and their film. And anything else to add? Yeah, no, I think you guys will definitely get a lot of great takeaways of what um, the pitch, what pitching can look like, and the different. Uh, we had different approaches, and how they solidified their amazing all-star female team, mm-hmm. and where they are taking it to the next steps and the reality of that. And I, I hope you guys um, get some great takeaways. I know we did. So we're just really excited to share. And there's definitely a lot of great gems and, and I think things to think about when you are trying to finance, but also what it can be like on set. So mm-hmm. I hope you guys can uh, enjoy. I know we did. To put it, I guess, as simply as possible, um, our our protagonist um, Lex is a is an artist, and she creates a series of uh, digital NFTs, um, which is something that's uh, more and more people are starting to get into. We're sort of at like the right before I think it explodes. Um, mm-hmm. So that was part of our interest. Lauren is getting a master's in data science. So she has some domain knowledge around this. Um, and it's something that we're really interested in because um, it really starts to push the envelope of like, what is art? Who owns art? Um, the value it holds. Like uh, the, yeah. Exactly. Um, and and how we decide as a society what is important and what isn't. And she... Um, 
has a relationship with a woman who's sort of like a mentor and an art um, uh, influencer, under the influencer, um, who we open the film uh, seeing the two of them uh, in, in an interesting situation. I don't want to give too much away, but essentially there's a little bit of swimming with sharks. There's a little bit of misery. Um, uh, the uh, relationship between the two women uh, and, and we explore. And it's interesting because since winning, um, I don't have a problem talking about this because we will talk about it through the process. We have shifted a few uh, plot points um, based on uh, input from We Make Movies and from our investor. And it's been interesting because we were able to sell the project, for lack of a better word, um, on an outline and not a full script, which was part of our um, approach with the contest was to say, we're not so far along in this process that we are married to you know, like people, when you spend all this time on a script, you're, it's understandably your baby and you don't want to make changes or you're attached to certain aspects of the script. And we were like, we're not, I mean, we, we are attached to the basic storyline, but we are open to, um, collaboration and ideas and allowing the script to breathe a bit based on, uh, what resources become available to us through this contest and through our own, uh, relationships. So I think, you know, thank you for saying that you wanted us to get picked, but I do think a part of why we won is because we came into it with a very different, uh, unique selling point than everybody else, uh, which mm -hmm. is we're, we're not completely set. We have our crew together and we have an idea, but we're not, uh, you know, super attached to anything. And that was not a short answer, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really great. <laughs> Jill's like a kind of, master micro budget producer, I would say, honestly, she just has so much experience doing this and has done it many, many times has done projects from $2,000 to $50,000. Um, has got an international distribution for even things like that. And, um, she thought it was really key that we backed into the resources that would be available to us. Right. We weren't sure. Right. We're like, okay, we'll have this amount of money, which is not a lot of money to make a feature film. Can't tell you how many people we told. They were like, oh, 25,000 for a short film, <laughs> like, no, yeah, exactly. no, the whole thing. Um, but, exactly. you know, not really knowing the landscape, right, of we make movies and what would be provided, like mm -hmm. what sort of services or equipment. Um, we just didn't want to end up with some incredible story that then we find out later after the fact we can't actually do those things, right? And and then right. having our dreams shattered or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, that's the approach that we took. Yeah, no, that's a really great approach to have and definitely not the approach we took <laughs> and that's fair and no but it's great to hear how um how you yourselves worked around that because it everything you're saying is so valid and true and i think for us our we didn't know about the competition we had been striving towards a micro budget film feature film and yes like 25k isn't quite a substantial load to to support that but still like trying to keep it really minimal so we had but you know we were we were also open like whatever it takes to make it happen within mm -hmm. the budget parameters that's important to us and and keeping true to the story's themes and everything so I think there's you just have to really prepare yourselves if, if it's your baby which this one is it's more important that the message and that our first feature film was done is this a feature first would this be a first feature debut for both of you as well in as creators uh I guess yes I mean I've been in features mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. in a more in a leadership role <laughs> um I guess not entirely but one that I've been with like for, uh since its inception mm -hmm. yes as far as features go um babe I guess maybe the first free feature for you, even though you've done a lot of series. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of my series uh, be cut for film festival purposes, cut into like feature length presentations. Mm. But okay. uh, yeah, as far as straight <laughs> feature, this is the first, uh, I mean, I've, I've been a producer on multiple feature films all the way from like the beginning seeds to like about to go to set and then the funding fell through. So this is like the first feature feature where it appears as though the money is going to come through and <laughs> actually yeah. make the film. So yeah. yes, 
Yes. And do you two often work together or is this like the first big project that you're taking on together? We, we've done a lot of small, like kind of one-off things together. Mm-hmm. Um, like we did a PSA thing that Jill wrote and that we directed um, for the election in 2016. Um, we filmed some vignettes. Uh, Jill had a series that she created, a comedy series that we did pitch to some networks, um, I guess about five years ago. Um, and I was serving as a co- co-EP on that project. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, we've never really acted together. And actually, we're not going to in this either, um, as it turns out. But um, yeah, I would say that this is the first like major, larger project mm-hmm. um, that we're actually going to make, fingers yeah. crossed, <laughs> um, where we're working really closely together. Yeah, yes. We don't, I don't think there's anything that either of us have ever done where the other one isn't a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we also work, um, both of us in marketing. So we've created a ton of like, you know, dozens and dozens of videos and stuff. And we're always there helping each other with notes or ideas or spitballing or editing or any yeah. of that. Like we, I would say we always work with each other on projects, but in an official capacity, yes, I would say this would be the first full thing, again, once again, that we're able to do like Bad Habits, the series she referenced earlier. We we actually filmed some vignettes for it, some character vignettes to try to sell the show. Um, yeah. So we did work together in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those were like one day shoots. Um, but yeah, a long sustained from beginning all the way to the end, This this will be the first time. Yeah. And that's so exciting to like finally get to see all the hard work that goes on before you shoot a project and behind the scenes and all of that stuff like actually come together and you're like, okay, we've got money. Like we can actually get to do this now. (laughs) Well, you guys too, I I think, you know, at least checking out some of what you guys have done, um, you're probably coming from a similar place Mm -hmm. as us, like wanting to actually have some creative control over what ultimately ends up on screen. Yeah. you know, like Jill and I have both started uh, strictly as actors, and I think we're both uh, a little too controlling uh, to to be entirely 100% happy with yeah. that. Um, Jill yep. has had this happen <laughs> more than I have, but I have too plenty of times when I, I watch a film back that I'm in and I'm like, oh, wow, I don't know if I misread or like I was thinking this was a different my character had a different function in this film. I might've played it differently if I had a better sense of what this actually was going to be. And yeah. yeah, I'm just excited to actually get to decide some of those things. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I think a lot of people that um, maybe really love and appreciate filmmaking, but aren't filmmakers themselves or actors themselves don't realize is like, if you're not in charge, you don't always even know what the end product's really going to be. You can be an actor playing out these scenes. You've read the whole script. And then in the end, you're like, wait, that's how the audience is supposed to feel about my character. I had no idea. Or like, that was the motivation the whole time. Like, it's pretty wild how much, you know, directing and editing and, and stories change during the filmmaking process. So yeah, that's a really good point to bring up. It's nice to have control and get to tell the story that you want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. 1000%. That's what definitely led us into the producer chair. We're both also coming from the actor background and uh, the more I've learned editing, I I then want to do directing. And that's why like for this film too, I I really didn't want to give up the the director seat as well. Like it's sometimes it's a hard thing to want to commit fully in because it's, it's a lot of work as you guys know, like doing the producing. Um, I wrote our script too. And like, so I just felt like this is this, I have the vision. I don't want to let it go. And I want to put my stamp on it and know like that I can, Tessa and I can go back to the editing room and be happy with like the shots that we're putting out there. So just everything that you guys said is exactly why I want to do it I also think just as an addendum to that when you're working on smaller projects and independent projects the other thing that is and has been frustrating to me in my career is having projects that are actually solid and would be good vehicles for me but that no one will ever see for whatever reason right Mm -hmm. whether because the whatever the plan was for 
once the film was completed or distribution and all those sorts of things, um, that sort of administrative work, right. That has to happen, right. mm-hmm. um, you know, after completion, but before anyone can see it or, um, you know, it, whether that's going to film festivals or talking to d- uh, distributors or what have you. Um, there's a few projects that I've been in that I was super proud of that no one will ever see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's really hard when you're like, wow, if only people knew that I could act, right. maybe I could act some more, but no one will know because <laughs> no one will ever see this project. So <laughs> exactly. Cause it's like, you know, at best you might get footage from those for your reel that you're like, okay, well, at least I can show off like my acting in this to a casting director or whatever. But yeah, it's very frustrating not to have even, you know, sometimes you're like, I just want to help. Like, let me know how I can, who I can talk to, but absolutely. Yeah. I do that all the time. I'm like, what I can I do? Say, I'm sure you yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, do you need help? Like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll print some posters. I'll, I've come on as a co-producer after the fact to a film I was in actually helped raise post-production funds, um, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, Jill's like that. It sounds like you guys are the same way mm-hmm. when you're like, I mean, yeah, I'll do whatever. I'll learn a new skill, right. Yeah, to make sure right. that we can finish the thing. It doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, and I even, Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just wanted to say, and that's where like, maybe not everyone, like not everyone has those skill sets to be like a producer in that regard. Like it's one thing to want to be a content creator and filmmaker, but then really the producer skills is worrying about where is it going? Mm-hmm. How's the marketing behind that? Having the funds for that? Like it, that all really matters. Otherwise, just to your point, unfortunately, then it may never get seen or pushed out there. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing if it's a passion project, but if you like for a career, it's very important. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so and and a lot of filmmakers you know, even if they need the help, they don't want to let go of that control. So, you know, I get it because I'm the same. I'm a control freak. But, um, you know, I have had filmmakers where I could have helped. Like I have resources. I, I've, you know, I've been around since the late 90s here. I've I got my SAG card in 1999. I'm, I mean, I've been here for a while and I have a Rolodex of of contacts and and people who who are willing to help and you know a lot of them don't you know I don't know I got it we got it covered we're we're handled we're handled and I'm like are you though really (laughs) like can you know have you talked to press have you you know where is the social media around this you know how are the other actors contributing to the marketing of the project like you know and then you realize okay you're a big bossy pants and they you're not a producer on this project so you just need to step away and that's again why now i really only, only want to work on projects that i have a hand in in helping to create or for friends that i love and trust and that i've worked with before yeah um you know i'm at a yeah. stage of my career where i'm really not interested in chasing down you know, uh, auditions and stuff. That's not where my head is. That's not where my heart is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been lucky enough this, this year, I probably worked more as an actor this year than I have in the last decade. And it's all just being hired by my friends, you Mm -hmm. know, when they had the opportunity to do something and they put me in it and it's been perfect. I don't have to go through that ridiculous, you know, I still had to audition. Uh, I still had to audition for Lauren's commercial. In fact, she directed a commercial (laughs) and I still had to audition for it. Um, but I got to, That's you know, business baby. Yeah. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. But, but I got to work with Lauren. Um, I got to work with Bryn, who is our director on this project multiple times this year. And another friend of ours uh, named Annie, who I worked with on Second Shot, which was my sitcom. So I just get to work with my friends. And that's what we're doing too on this project. Like, you know, the crew that we're going to have to get, because uh, we're shooting, um, part or maybe all of the film in Salt Lake City, which is where our writer, um, Sky, who we'll have to talk to you more about in a second, um, yeah. is where she lives. So we'll probably have to source a lot of our uh, crew from Salt Lake so that we're not flying everybody. But everyone else that we're working with are very close friends of ours. We are very close to Bryn. We are very close to Erin. In fact, we just got back from a girls weekend up in wine country with her. Um, uh, Katie, uh, who we've brought on our friend, Katie is an associate producer, very good friend, Judy, hopefully who we will have as our DP, if uh, scheduling works out has worked with uh, Lauren before. So, you know, we want to work with our friends and elevate our friends, 
our female friends yeah. uh, who, who frankly should be farther along, not that they're not in Hollywood, but who women are just are not given opportunities. Um, we, this, I don't have to tell you guys, your audience is probably aware, but the statistics are dismal and we want to elevate women. Um, that is, you know, another big part of our passion with this project. Yeah. And obviously we love that. (laughs) That's what we (laughs) stand for, you know, so I appreciate that. Um, I do want to mention going back just a little bit, just a piece. I don't even, I almost don't even want to say the word advice, but just something for everyone listening to be aware of is like talking about working in your friends projects and how the four of us have that mindset of like, okay, if it's not getting done, we will take over. Like We are happy to do that if it needs to be done. But to remind people that sometimes you do have to, like on the flip side, set those boundaries ahead of time. Because I know I people have um, expressed interest in like casting me in a project of theirs. And I'm like, okay, but I'm really busy right now. And I know that you know that I produce, but I can't do that for this project. Like I can only come on as an actor. So, you know, just being aware of both sides of the coin there, because sometimes you got to just say like, not my circus, not my monkeys, you know, and other times when it does benefit (laughs) you, when it makes sense, then you can step in and help. So just throwing that out there as yes. a reminder for our listeners. Yes. Yeah. The, that's really a great advice, but that is the fucking dream. Like <laughs> find your people, find your tribe. Yeah. And that's like definitely what we, yeah. Like obviously we stand for shout out fam fam <laughs> and, and finding, yeah, the, the like-minded because that, yes, that's like what I think we are all hoping to build in our careers is that longevity of finding those people to bring up with you. I love that you said that because that is one person, 1000% the goal. Yeah. And, and what, what makes doing this very hard, long marathon journey of a film, like rewarding and fun. Like you're, you're just gonna, yeah, be with your friends. You don't have to like, you're professional, but you can also just be really fucking chill and like have your moments and like rally together. So I do want to get into who your team members are a little bit more because I mean, they, they, (laughs) looking over your pitch deck, they are really (laughs) impressive and have done amazing work. Um, uh, Yeah. Anyone who you want to talk about and, and I just, I was going to ask if you had known them, but yeah, clearly you guys are all friends. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, Bryn is who we asked to be the helm at the helm of this project to direct. And um, Bryn is incredible. We met Bryn about five years ago or about five and a half years ago um, at a distribution lab uh, in New York. And we found out that she lived in LA and we were like, okay, we need to glom onto her. And she's also awesome. So honestly, that's, she's like the best thing that came out of doing that whole experience. We, yeah. we pitched a series to <laughs> four different networks and we did all this stuff, but she is actually the, the gem, the prize basically that we won, um, out of doing that. And she totally. at the time was trying to find distribution for this film that she wrote, she directed, she produced, she starred in, um, she's just incredible. Uh, she works right now for a company, um, and she directs like for a living, um, it's for a tech company. So she's doing sort of industrial videos and that sort of thing. But the fact that she's a super creative person who has also found work where every day she's Mm -hmm. working toward and on directing is remarkable. Um, we've done like dumb short sketches with her. (laughs) Um, she directed a solo show, a live theater show that I did um, about three years ago, She's just one of those people that I would trust um, with just about anything that I do and touch. She's so smart, so collaborative. Um, she mentored me basically through directing. Uh, I did a Hyundai commercial early, earlier this year and I was a ball of nerves about it. And um, she gave me a lot of really good advice too. So she's that person that you can go to and be like, oh, I'm doing this thing and I'm terrified. <laughs> and what should I do? You've been here before. And yeah, she's an incredible friend and artist. And I love that when you find in maybe somewhat of a disappointing thing when you're like pitching or working on a really tough project, like I just did, I just wrapped. It's like sometimes really the people are the most rewarding aspect and I will just take that as the biggest win. So no, that's amazing. And it's also great when you can find a mentor in like a friendship, even though it was a friendship born out of like professional business, you know, but 
because sometimes it's really hard to find a mentor for what you want, especially if you're not like in a program that's like, this is a program to find your mentor or a class or whatever. Like, so it's nice when you can find it from somebody that it's like, oh, like you're just a cool human being that I want to be friends with. I also want to work with you. Like, but you've been here before. So can you teach me in this process? Like that's kind of the perfect relationship. Absolutely. And capitalizing honestly on her humility, right? Mm -hmm. For someone to be able to say, look, like I showed up on set and I had no idea what I was doing either, but like, these are the tricks and the things that I use to make sure I was managing my set. And, um, someone who understands what it's like to have imposter syndrome and also know Mm -hmm. that when you're asking for advice, you're kind of asking that too. Like you're really saying I'm really fucking scared and I'm not sure that I know what I'm doing and I don't want to mess up. And she can hear me ask questions, but hear all those things between the lines is also really key. Right. And that's why, yeah. again, having friends who are also incredible artists who are generous with their time and their advice is, is really important. And we all do. Well, Bryn is also an actor. She's also a producer. She's also a director. She's also a writer. So we have with that trio, which, which we'll talk about Sky in a second, because she's actually an equal partner with me and Lauren in the genesis of this project. It doesn't appear that way because we pitched it Mm -hmm. because we thought three people pitching would just be too much. Um, But she's actually, you know, we came to Sky with a very, just a skeleton of an idea last summer in during COVID because we wanted to do just something I was going to be in it with Lauren and we're like, let's just, this is before we both went back to school and got really busy, but we were bored. We were like, it's COVID, nothing, you know, we're going to be locked down. Maybe, maybe we should try to write a two-hander that the two of us could do. Mm-hmm. And um, we knew Sky um, uh, socially. We hadn't worked with her before, but she came to Los Angeles to do the master's in uh, UCLA screenwriting. And she was strangely a friend of my stepfather who has uh, Meniere's disease and they were in the support group together online. So it's completely random, but basically she said to him, I'm coming to LA and he's like, you should meet my stepdaughter, Jill. Um, You know, she, I've got a great group of friends. So we connected and um, we brought this idea to her last summer and we started working on it. And then we all got busy. We got like sort of a general outline done. And then when this contest came up, you know, again, this is something that we said in the pitch, we as a group have a million projects that we could do, but um, they all require a lot more money or different resources or whatever. And we were like, you know, this could be, this idea is actually appropriate for this because it's only two people. We already know that we have the locations locked. Um, this is a, this is the good uh, project for this. So then we asked Sky, you know, can you drop everything you're doing right now and help us fill out this outline to, to make it a little bit more of a story um, before we try to submit it. Um, But you know, her, she's definitely a a massive part of the story and where it's going and uh, how we're going to be able to get this done because it's her cabin. It's, you know, she has some resources up in Salt Lake that she has not utilized yet because she, this is her, will be her first project that actually gets produced, even though she's won every major screening writing award there basically is to win. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, I, I said, I'm gonna talk about Sky, and then I ended up talking about her and I didn't finish up with Bryn. Um, what I was gonna say about Bryn is because she does all the same thing. We're, we all do all those things too. We're a writer, we're producers, we're directors and we're actors. And so it's nice because we all kind of can step up in the places that are needed And in this particular project, you know, I wanted to, originally I was going to act in it, but then I was like, I can't do both well. You know what I mean? Like I can produce this or I can act in it, but to do both really well is going to be hard to do Mm -hmm. at this level. Um, So I stepped back and I said, you know, it it wouldn't serve the project best for me to act in it. I'd rather produce it. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bryn's a really good actor also, and a really good writer also. Um, But, you know, she really wants to direct right now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Lauren really wants to act, but she's also a really good editor. And we were like, guess what? We are going to hire you as an editor because you're really good and we don't have money to pay another person. Um, So (laughs) I think, I think this team will also benefit from the fact that we're all multi-hyphenate, you know, um, uh, creatives and, you know, 
speaking to younger people, uh, which I don't often get to do, but when I do, I always say to them, you need to start creating your own projects now. Don't wait because most of us, especially women, we wait until like we spend our entire twenties chasing the acting dream. And we don't think about taking the control into our hands and saying, I'm not going to wait. So I'm going to create my own projects because Mm -hmm. I will be able to, if, if, if I can do this, you know, decently, I'm going to be able to show the world what I'm best at a lot faster than you can. And I wish I would have started producing my own uh, stuff way before I did. Um, So anyway, I'll, I'll shut up now, but uh, that's what I love about Bryn is she can do everything. So I feel like we have this great ebb and flow where we all understand what each other's jobs are because we've all done them. Um, And that helps you know, with the boundaries that you're talking about, it helps with respect. It helps with uh, cohesiveness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk on the show all the time about how beneficial it is to try everything. And when you make your own stuff, you kind of have to most of the time anyway, but just to be familiar with everything and you can find that it's something you hate doing and you don't ever want to like direct specifically or whatever, you know, it is right to produce, but just to know that you are able to, should a project that you create, it's lacking in one of those areas, you can step in, you know, or you'll you'll see what is lacking and bring somebody else in. So it's just really so important and beneficial to be familiar in all those areas. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I'm always like, okay, we need this. I'll learn how to do it. Like yeah. I think I mentioned before, if I have to, I mean, if I think I can do it and it'll add value mm-hmm. to the the project, I've always kind of been like that, like self-taught in premiere or self-taught in doing, you know, electronic music production or what have you. Um, <laughs> anything that could be beneficial to creating a better final product. Um, I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to talk for a minute um, on your pitch deck. One of the things you had was kind of your like planned schedule for, for pre-production and everything. Um, and I noticed it was very like, you know, okay, first draft is this month. Second draft is the next month. Third draft is the next month. Then we're going to, uh, you know, do casting. Then we're going to have a month of rehearsals. Like it was very spread out, like through the months, you know, you weren't rushing any part of it and you still get to start shooting. I think like, what was it? April or May you guys had in mind? Like, that's not bad. That's not a long time when it comes yeah. to film. So I think that's fantastic too, that you really took or or you are planning to take that time to prepare because like pre-production I think a lot of times really just kind of gets rushed because people are like well I want to make this film like I I have people that are interested and I have these investors or these people that want to work with me and blah 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 let's just go but like it's going to go so much smoother (laughs) if you take that time and you really get to do those edits and have those rehearsals and just slow down before you dive in. So I love it's that you the guys only, that. It really is. And I think I wrote this in the business plan. It's the only hedge against micro budget, you know, budget is mm-hmm. that you have to take the time to plan this out meticulously so that every single thing has been accounted for. Uh, and, you know, shit happens. I mean, there's going to be, it always does. You can plan and plan and plan. And then, you know, what God laughs or whatever they say. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, but the point is, is that you plan and then you have a contingency plan underneath that as well. Yeah. So that inevitably when something goes wrong, you, you have a fix. Um, you know, I, I do think I'm good at micro budget producing because I am such a meticulous planner. And that is the only, like, you know, I don't think producing is not that it's not hard to do really. All it is, is just being really organized and um, being able to anticipate issues and then having a contingency underneath it. So it's not magic. And I didn't go to school for producing. No one ever taught me how to produce. I figured it out along the way and I did it for my projects. And then I was like, oh, this is also producing. That is also producing. Half of producing really is communication. Mm -hmm. That's it. Really learning how to manage people. How do you manage your investor? How do you manage uh, the the distribution company? How do you manage marketing? How do you talk to your casting crew? How do you 
it's really just about, are you really good at talking to people? And if you're a person who's good at talking to people and who has high social skills, most likely, and you're organized, you will be a good producer. That's all it really takes. Um, But I absolutely was like, we cannot rush pre-production with this kind of budget. We have to have time to try to, you know, create relationships and get resources. Like the minute that this was announced that we won, I have like three different tools that I want to be able to use, which we don't have the budget for. So I'm trying to get sponsorships for it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not, I don't wait to ask. I just dive in. I'm not talking to, I'm like, I'm going to get a, you know, a demonstration with this company and then I'm going to, and I'm going to push for a sponsorship. Um, you know, that's all this is, but you need time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't, you need time and, and, and rehearsal and planning and, um, you have to cover every single aspect of, of anything that could go wrong, like travel, you know, that's always the, that's always the, the, I mean, there's a million moving pieces, um, but literally thinking through from moment to moment, I got to get my actor, you know, to, to Salt Lake city. And then, you know, there's per diem, there's transportation, there's all this kind of stuff. And you just have to, you have to have time yeah. to meticulously plan every step along the way. Yeah. Um, Tessa, oh my gosh, Vidafair is so cool. We can literally rent movies for so cheap. And movies we probably wouldn't have gotten to see otherwise. Indie movies that don't normally make it to the streamers. What a great resource. But how cool is it that the filmmakers make money too? Like actual money, not fractions of a cent based on hours upon hours of views. Exactly. Filmmakers set their own price for a 24-hour rental and viewers reap the benefit of micropricing. Everybody wins and there's so much to choose from. It's so simple. Fair trade film monetization. And all you have to do is visit vidafair.com. That's V-I-D-A fair.com to make an account today. Yeah, I love that you said that because I was just going to say, what are some like contingencies to look out for, like for our listeners and love that you mentioned travel. I think like parking and walking distance was like a huge (laughs) one on my last set. Like you Mm. you don't realize that like where base camp is set up, the amount of minutes, like things like that, like where the restrooms at and then like COVID safe zones, (laughs) you know, are dealing with that. It's like things like that, listeners, if you haven't like really dug d- deep into that yet, it's it's all those like little elements that if you don't have the time when you arrive to set and then you realize, you know, every time you got to go take a bathroom break, it's 10 minutes walking. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to shoot. <laughs> like, you're going to miss half your shots. I mean, we ran into that with our Western, you know, like we're we were on horses all day. You have to pee <laughs> at some point and the bathroom's like <laughs> way across the field and you know and yeah so yeah that's why like location scouting and and planning like that stuff is so important and also I think deciding when you are really pressed for time what is the most important thing right now like you know we recently well Lauren will tell you um go ahead I'll I'll tell you I I acted in a fantastic short film really well-funded um, it was on location in the Sequoias and love the script. It was an incredible crew, like maybe one of the nicest, um, I went. Most, like, yeah, most yes. comfortable sets <laughs> I've amazing. ever been on. Yeah, um, and yeah, Jill came with me. Um, and yeah, there were just a few things. Obviously I was just working on this as an actor. Um, and there were just some things that I was making mental notes, right? You're always like, that's one also piece of advice I'd give to anybody is no matter what capacity you are in on any set, you can be learning about all different departments. You can be taking notes. You can be saying, I'm not going to do that. Okay. This is really frustrating or wow, we're losing time here. Basically we were sitting, it was a long setup. We'd already done quite a bit of, um, uh, waiting around, uh, to get, you know, lights and all, all that stuff set. And finally, we're about to shoot, do some actual takes. And there was like a prop basically in the corner of the frame that was a little too reflective, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so 20 minutes later, 
after they flipped it around, they moved the thing, they tried different configurations. Basically, they were like prop guns uh, okay. on the back. It was just like a cabin, right? Mm-hmm. So again, it's not it's not critical to the story. Um, there's no narrative function for these props. They're literally, they just appear in the corner of the frame. And, you know, I'm all about, again, we're both super meticulous people. We like things the way that we like them to be. Um, there is a balance though, between knowing like when something is important and when it's worth fighting for Mm -hmm. and when you just have to let it go. So ultimately what ended up happening is they just removed the the gun that was too reflective from the frame. Right. But 25 minutes, right. That means a lot of time. It's Mm -hmm. so much time. I think we ended up only doing maybe one or two takes of my coverage for that, that part. And mm-hmm. again, you know, they're fortunate that they, they cast professional actors who have experience, you know what they're doing and who can bring it, but I would have liked another take, yeah. right? Like, sure. I trust, I guess that, you know, your director, you know what you wanted and you got, you say that you got what you wanted. Um, but it's things like that where I'm like, is this really the most important thing Yeah. right now? What is the most important thing? Right. I I learned that definitely working on like the Hyundai spot. There were so many things that went wrong that day that like, we're not going to work. And I think if I'm good at anything. It's being like, you know what? That's not important. That's not going to matter. The, the essence of the piece we're creating is still intact, whether or not like somebody's wearing that shoe or that shoe. Right. That's the Um, producer in you. (laughs) Like to all my directors, I think I said it on the show recently, but like, if you can like learn more about producing, that's going to just help you save time and make those learn to make those decisions. Cause that's definitely what I saw in my last set is a lack of producing. <laughs> and it was it, just really, really hard because time was, was running out like a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, with low budget, you really do have to make those decisions and say, listen, like, is this room is, is in terms of production design what I want it to be? No, but if your story is good and the acting is good, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> nobody cares. Really, they really don't. Like I did a thousand dollar web series, got international distribution. The production value sucked. I mean, the it technically didn't look good. Sound wasn't great. Like it, you know, we weren't expecting to see this thing on the big screen ever. Mm-hmm. You know, we did it for fun, but. The reason it was good is because the story was good and because every shot that we picked was based on the performance and the acting. And so people so got into the story that they forgave all of the little mistakes here and there. And when you don't have the money for great production design, then you just have to really focus on on the acting. And like, I think of that 25 minutes that they were sitting there and I was like, that's four takes, guys. That's four takes. That you At least play, <laughs> the actors didn't get to like, ex, you know, explore a little bit outside the script. And you like, warm up into it too. Anyways, yes. always that first take is like not your take. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, I was sitting there going, oh my God, really guys, does it matter? Um, you know. No, what a great example, like seriously, that, you know, you feel like this might carry so much weight and it it really doesn't. There's other things going on and happening that should take precedence. Yeah. So that's a really good example. Um, And yeah, love the advice. I I found that too. Being on set in any capacity, you are learning if Mm -hmm. you're open to it. And I'm like the first person to ask like questions, like, how do you do this job? <laughs> like, don't be afraid if there, if it's not distracting, like there, there are moments where there are lulls, yeah. you know, it's a long day on set at, if you're interested and you know, don't want to necessarily do that person's job, but at least like, no, like I, I haven't had to work yet on like a huge set. Like I'm still, we're still beginners. <laughs> we're still like learning the ropes here, but like just really knowing the difference between the AC's job and the AD's job and like how they kind of differ. Like, and then the person taking the different takes, like why? Cause a lot of times, again, in indie, like people do multiple, but to really know when you want to be able to hire more people so that everyone can just stay focused, what is it that they're actually doing? And so like, I will, if there's a lull, I'll just like start chatting just so I get to be more familiar with what their responsibilities are. Yeah. Cause that's your job as yeah. a producer to know exactly what they're doing. Well, and it's good to know, like, 
you know, on a big like studio level set where there is different people doing every different job. It's good to know all of those because then when you have your little skeleton crew of five, you're like, okay, well, the AD is going to also have to be the PA and also the script and just knowing like all the things that in a perfect world you could cover with multiple people, but you have to cover with so few people. Um, because you know if you're just going into it being like oh yeah all I need is a director and a camera operator and that's it like you know you need to know what you're missing to be able to fill that in with the people that you with the only people that you have (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's a mistake we I see too is with with low budget or skeleton crew they're they're picking the wrong um crew to cut Mm-hmm. Um, like there, there are certain crew members that you, you absolutely must have. And that's why, you know, we, we are going to, what we proposed, uh, uh, very openly is that 25,000 is not enough money. We need 50 because, um, and we're going to raise the other 25, mm-hmm. um, we need 50 because we have to pay everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. our other part is that we do believe in paying, we can't pay people their rate, but at the very least, we wanted to create a very clear differentiation between the crew that and the, the people that we're going to ask to work as volunteers. And those are students because we believe ethically it's it, it's okay to use students because they're learning something, they're getting yeah. experience, they're going to have a real credit on IMDb and on their resume. And then, you know, what crew could could work for students and then the crew that we absolutely must have and that we must pay because we're not going to ask a single professional to work for free on this. We are going to pay everybody and we are going to uh, share our back end split, which by by the time we're done, will be next to nothing. But it's (laughs) just it's a gesture of our respect for their art and for their experience and for where they are in their in their career. Um, so we're going to share back end. It was a plan that, uh, I think Lauren and I talked about for another project where we're going to, we're going to give points to crew, um, to get people who are at a level where they normally wouldn't do a project like ours. Will that perhaps entice them to do it? Um, so yeah. And back end, you mean for like distribution sales? Yeah. Like, like if we were to, you know, become a Blair Witch type hit, we want to have in legal built-in, you know, pay for these right. people who helped us yeah. make this project um, because it's never the crew that gets back end ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, rarely anybody gets back end, but um, <laughs> in, in those rare cases where it actually happens, we want to make sure that we, that we share, yeah. you know, that's, we want to share really the spoils, awesome. you know? Yeah. And that's something I, I want to dive into. Um, as well is so you guys are raising the other 25k so what is your plan for that because I feel like a lot of podcasts that I tune into or classes that I take or whatever talk about the pitch and not everything that leads you to the pitch you know of like how do you find these investors should you crowdfund first or find investors first sponsorships like all of this stuff so I'd love to hear what your plan is for it or what you've already done what you plan to do all of that Yeah, I think that the first thing to know is when you have some money in, Mm -hmm. it automatically becomes easier, right, to raise more money, right? So that is something that that we kind of knew going into this, like, okay, if we can get the commitment for, you know, the $25,000 and then all these resources, right, Mm -hmm. from We Make Movies, then it's going to be easier to solicit other people, right? Because you're saying we're making this movie regardless, right? We already have this built in clearly someone else, right? This other entity, this other organization believes in us and our project enough that they are providing resources and funds. Also, it kind of makes the the project bigger than just you. You're not really asking a new investor like, Hey, um, I'm making a movie. Like, will you give me money? You're saying I have a whole kind of infrastructure already built around me. There's an organization that is not going to want to see this project fail, right? (laughs) They have a vested interest. Um, There are basically additional supports built in place. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, we've struggled the same, right, to try to find funding for previous projects where there wasn't any kind of seed funding. And it is Mm -hmm. so hard to to make the leap from zero to 50,000 or whatever it is that you think that you need. Um, So that was why we were like, okay, if we can get this, we do want to raise these additional funds, but we think it's going to be easier to do. 
um, when we can already go to somebody and say, look, we have $25,000 in cash. We have these resources covered. We have this and that and the other. Yeah. Um, we just need this additional push, right. To, to get us to a level where we can actually, um, achieve what we want to and pay people and, and all of that. No. Yeah. That makes we a lot are, of sense. We are, um, weighing some options. We have a, we have a few people in our orbit that we are going to just directly solicit to see if we can get all or most of the money from them mm-hmm. just because it's, it, it's easier. Um, you know, we're, n- I'm not a super big fan of crowdfunding anymore um, for a few reasons, uh, partially because I've done it a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I also think we've just kind of reached a place where crowdfunding is, it's so common. Um, my, st- this, the story that I always tell, which is absolutely true is it's very difficult when I'm seeing people posting crowdfunding for like funerals and medical care to then alongside them ask for movie money. You know what I mean? I just feel (laughs) like, you know, it's hard to ask people to fund creative things when other people are like, I need to, you know, deal with my brain cancer. Um, Um, so I'm not a huge fan of crowdfunding. It's a lot of work. Um, constantly asking people for money is irritating as a creative person. And, um, uh, now that now it's my job, um, for a theater company here in town. So, uh, I, I, I don't like it. Um, and then I, I also, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that crowdfunding diminishes because in a way it can help build an audience, but all those same people that are going to give you money would see the movie anyway. So you're not really, in my opinion, building that much of an audience. Yeah. Um, we, because this movie is about NFTs, we are planning to make that a part of either, uh, post, uh, to, to raise money for like film festival, blah, blah, or finishing funds, or, or we might do it in the beginning to raise money, depending on how these investor talks go. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just going to ask (laughs) because that's uh, something that was brought to um, my attention too, um, as a way to raise money. So, and yeah, you know, I mean, it's, we, we have to learn how to do it. We have to right. have the money to put them up because just selling them and Lauren knows far more about this than me, <laughs> um, costs money. Um, but she's, of course, she said she's willing to learn new skills. So she's figuring out how to do all that. Um, well, yeah, there's a couple of companies out there. It's so interesting because you know, people have been trying to put music on blockchain for a long time. And mm-hmm. there are quite a few like sort of nascent organizations like up and coming in the music space, like raising tons of money. And um, there's a lot of really promising projects. Um, what doesn't exist quite as much is that sort of environment for filmmaking. And obviously mm-hmm. I think it's because of the obvious, right? Film is super involved. There's so many more people and players involved. There are a couple companies that have my eyes on. There's a company called Mo- uh, Mogul Productions that's selling their own uh, cryptocurrency called Stars. Um, there's a company called Decentralized Pictures, but they're very, they're still kind of in infancy mm. and figuring out like kind of how things are going to work. And I don't feel like at least at this stage, they're necessarily geared toward um independent filmmakers. Um, I think it's still kind of like down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Figuring out how right. to create a new model for financing pro- uh, projects. So again, because our actual story and narrative does touch on the digital art space and NFT space, um, I'm just going to kind of explore, right? What might be possible, whether it's like actually selling art that we use in the film as NFTs, as part of fundraising, or if there are assets from the film or something like that, that we can do mm-hmm. um, and sell. Uh, it's going to kind of be an experiment, but I'm yeah. definitely interested in these new sorts of funding streams. That's the thing like <laughs> tech, especially FinTech right now, um, financial tech, there's so much money there. It's mm-hmm. insane, right? You're like, they raised $300 billion or <laughs> there's, they have a hundred million dollar development fund. And um because this is sort of in alignment with um, what I'm getting my master's degree in, I just feel like it would be a wasted opportunity not to try to mine what 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 might be possible here. Yeah, so. I'm interested just because, again, like to Jill's point, like crowd rate funding has been there for now a while. Like, I feel like it's our job to see what other new platforms are out there because that's where 
people are like showing more interest in now and like would be like, oh, what is this? And and are ex- get excited around it, like the, especially in the new like tech space and and with cryptocurrency and like the because it's it's a new way. I mean, I, I at least that's how I think of it. <laughs> like, well, right. I thought of it in terms of like, okay, we could ask everyone we know to give us twenty five bucks for f- crowdfunding, or we can ask you to buy an NFT, which could blow the fuck up. You know what I mean? Right. And that could be worth far more than $25. So we're giving you a different type of investment than you just giving us a donation. We're giving you something in return that in theory, it could be, it could increase in value. And you would have given us that money and never seen anything after the fact. But instead, we want to give you a piece of this film or of, of art that, mm-hmm. that could become valuable down the road. So I, I'm always like, you know, I have a hard time asking for a pure uh, donation. I want to always give something in return. Like what can I give you mm-hmm. that makes right. this worth your while? So it's, it's a back and forth. Cause then I feel like later I can do this again and you're more willing to answer my call or respond to my email. Um, yeah. You can't always just be asking. You have to give something back um, and create a symbiotic relationship as opposed to this poverty mentality of just give me and donate to me. I don't like that. And it and it's such it's such a it's a not a powerful position to come from to just yeah. constantly be asking people to give you things for free. And when you work in this budget realm, that's often where you are. And so I'm really trying to find a way to evolve that. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, again, going back to women, minorities, LGBTQ, uh, folks, we don't, we don't get a lot of options for funding. Um, so when we do, I want to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I want to show the people that do take a chance on us that they made a very good investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, another part of this is like, you know, we want this to lead to other opportunities and to for other opportunities, specifically for women and yeah. uh, LGBT folks and people who are not white. Um, not that you know white people aren't great, but uh, <laughs> you know we've we've been given opportunities, so yeah. it's time yeah. for other people now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important uh, mindset. Yeah, and I I that's something Tessa and I are, are now trying to build as we try to seek new investors is. Um, I love, I feel the same. I hate just like asking for money. And that's why I don't want to go the crowdfunding approach if we can avoid it personally. That's where I'm at too. I'm not, I'm not quite a fan. Um, But also because I want to have a long lasting relation with this few investors that could potentially be a part of our journey, our project, what we are standing for, what we want to produce. But I think also needing to really um, break down what they could be getting in return is like, I think we're, we need to solidify a bit more of our time. Um, because I, I feel the same way. I think they should have either if it's some back end points, like you said, or, or something else that they can feel like a part of. And I think that comes with, it's correct me if I'm wrong. It's not a bad place to also just converse if you can and ask like what they could see themselves wanting more from you know, as fellow filmmakers, sometimes it feels like that, but you never know like what someone else's passions are. Mm-hmm. That's true. Absolutely. That's why people so say hit up dentists for investors. <laughs> because, you know, it's someone that isn't personally yeah. in the field, but they might think it's really cool and they want to be involved, but they know that they can't. So that's how right. they can get involved, you know? Yeah. Well, There's yeah. And it's like, yeah. Thinking about you know, part of what they're doing now with music and some of these, um, you know, organizations I mentioned before is you're basically, you are investing, you can invest in like someone's song, right? Like it's obviously a simpler thing because it's like maybe one single artist, right? And what Mm -hmm. you're doing when you invest is you're actually purchasing like fractional shares of the song Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. when the song is successful, you in turn, right, get some sort of return or, Mm -hmm. you know, you actually get to profit potentially off of that success. And that really feels like community building to me because you're not just going out and saying, oh, you're part of this community because you gave me $25. I'm going to send you like a mug, right? You're, you're actually saying your investment, right? Like you are attached essentially to this project, um, due to your investment. Like if 
And when this is successful, it's not going to leave you behind. Yeah. Right. So that's actually also saying you should promote this film too, right? Because Mm -hmm. your financial success potentially is actually tied to the success of this film, right? So finding a way to basically modify crowdfunding and give people like an actual tangible, um, expandable share of whatever the product is that you're creating is really like kind of the next phase of this, I think. And um, I could go on and on and on and start talking about DAOs, like decentralized autonomous organizations and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you heard about the people who just like pooled money to try to buy this copy of the constitution. No, um, no. They, they raised <laughs> like, yeah, it's called the constitution DAO um, or constitutional DAO. Um, they ended up raising like $20 million. They actually got outbid <laughs> by some wow. billionaire, which is funny. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm really interested in looking at new structures and new technology as a way to kind of take things that we're kind of familiar with like crowdfunding, Mm -hmm. right. But tweak them and modify them. So it doesn't feel like you are just doing that. Like I'm over here making my project, please give me your money. You're saying, why don't you get on board, come along for the ride. If, and when I'm, I'm successful. So, uh, so shall you be right. So, um, that's definitely something I'm just dipping my toes into, but um, really passionate about trying to to figure out a way forward in that space. We don't. We we've never been, uh, and there is this this tendency to want to protect resources, right? Like um, it's understandable mm-hmm. when when very few of us are being given opportunities. I think our tendency is to say, "I'm going to close ranks and protect." this resource. And I have always been of the belief it's the opposite is when you open yourself up and you share and you, you open your arms and give a little in every direction that will come back to you. Yeah. Um, Instead of saying, no, this is ours. I can't tell this information because I don't want them to get theirs. No, let's, this is why we are where we are. We, we have to help each other out. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, I do, I do have some frustration with like powerful women in our industry or women who I perceive to have enough money that could help other women. Um, and, you know, I'm holding women to, I do hold women to a higher standard. There are multiple billionaires who, if they gave away just a fraction of their wealth could completely change society, but yeah. I won't get into that. I don't expect them to give their money away with women. I do expect that mm-hmm. I have higher expectations and I wish that we helped each other more. I wish that we uh, trusted each other more. I wish that when we, something came to us that we saw was an opportunity, we would share that information with each other instead of being worried about that. I'm not going to have mine if I give it away. Um, That's not who we are. We've always been those people. We will continue to be those people. Um, You know, I admittedly work with kind of the same group. I'm like the Christopher guest of the lesbian community where I I kind of work with the same cast and crew a lot because I love and trust them. But I've always been excited and open to, you know, make new friends, make new allies, help each other out. Because I I really do, our relationship with Bryn is a perfect example of a symbiotic, you know, we saw her, we immediately connected we're like, you have the same mindset we do. We, we must be friends and stay in touch. And we've helped each other uh, do projects now for, yeah. for five years consistently. Um, so yeah, that's us. Yeah, I love that. That's how we are as well. I mean, you know, we've both been frustrated when we've talked to other filmmakers and, you know, it's like, well, can you give me an idea of like, the sort of the price range that, you know, this sound person that you hired was, and they won't give you a number. Or when you ask someone like, well, what's your rate? And they're like, well, what's your budget? And it's so like, it doesn't have to be so secretive because if I'm asking someone their rate, like if they say they're willing to negotiate, great, fantastic. But like, I might not even have an idea of my budget yet, but I need to know how much you're someone, worth. yeah, cost what, what are you worth? does what you what do. Be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just, it's so frustrating when people don't want to be open and honest and to, to share information or share resources or whatever it is. So yeah, we're, we're yeah. like you guys very much Good. so in that respect. Yeah. I'm into transparency on all fronts, like casting. I feel the same way, right? Mm-hmm. When we're actors, it's like, I've gotten so many little tidbits of information just by sharing with some of my actor friends. You find out like, oh, cool. Like you auditioned for that project too. Oh, but a different role. Oh, interesting. Now I know something about how you are perceived type-wise versus how I'm perceived type-wise. Or I had a situation where I got an audition, a tape um, for a project 
And because I shared that information with a friend of mine, she had actually auditioned for the same thing like a few weeks prior and like felt really good about it. But we could kind of confidently guess that if they're now doing a second round looking for new submissions several weeks later, like she could probably let that go, which is sometimes really valuable as an actor when you're like, okay, I didn't get that one. Right. Cause otherwise you just never know. You're just hanging out there for weeks, you know, putting all your, your hopes (laughs) in in one basket. And um, yeah, I feel the same about sort of all fronts and, and aspects of this industry is that transparency is actually really helpful to so many of us in, in, in whatever stage we're at, or if we're just acting or if we're trying to produce something and having a little bit more information and knowing how people work um, can really benefit, benefit us. No, I love that you ladies are are not like that. So thank you for being um, on the show today to share all the experiences you've had. I think uh, (laughs) it's been like for our listeners, probably a cool way to hear about what like even when you do get money where you're at, like it's not okay. And we take off and we start filming. Like there's all these other elements at play that make you a good producer and help with micro budgets in particular, which is where we're all at, at right now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's just, thank you for just being you today yeah. and like and sharing all of that because again, not everyone does. And we try to find guests who are. So thank you. Yeah. It's so important. It's and so thank you important. for having us. Yeah. Thank you. We're, we're honored that you, that you asked us and we'll definitely, you know, be in touch with you guys. Uh, Happy to do a postmortem when we're when we're done. <laughs> yes. But one other thing to ask you ladies to share is for our listeners, social media or websites or anything like that that you want to share and promote. Yeah, I'm at the Lauren Neal, like pretty consistently across social channels. Um, yeah, Instagram, Twitter. I'm I'm around. Um, I, I am mostly, a, a, a tweeter. I didn't, I protected my Instagram account at one point and sort of missed the wave there, but I'm mostly active on Twitter. I'm at daily Jill. Awesome. Perfect. And do you, um, believe that you will be having a handle for this feature film? And if so, do you want to say the title or do you have one? Like we've already locked in our, <laughs> Oh Just yeah. Preemptively. We have all that. Yeah. We, um, we, our Instagram handle for this film, uh, the we make movies, uh, competition film is at under the influencer underscore movie. Perfect. We'll be following you guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank we'll, you so much. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you on the line. As I always say, uh, we'll be in touch with, uh, via social media, but hit us up whenever. And thank you again. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the FemFam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.